1: People claim to know Jesus. Many people claim to know God, but do you know Jesus as God? Do you know Jesus as your God. It's extremely important. When Jesus becomes your God, a change takes place in your life. A major change takes place in your life. Just like Thomas's, you become brand new. You become born again. Thomas has heard Jesus' word. He looked at Jesus and believed, and Jesus never argued with him. He
0: never said, don't call me God. Jesus accepted his worship. Do you know God? Many people know some aspect of God, but don't have a relationship with him. When you truly know God, your life will change. In his message today, Pastor Dave will share what it means to be a true believer in Jesus and how to turn those doubts you may have into faith. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of John, chapter 20, as he continues his message from a skeptic to a true believer.
1: You are a sure. Lord. You know, it appears that the other guys might be giving Thomas a hard time because he wasn't with them when Jesus appeared. And Thomas has even a harder time believing them. Let's look at verse 25. The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. So he, Thomas, said to them, unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my fingers into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. The other disciples continued to tell Thomas that they had seen the risen Lord, but Thomas refused to believe. I wonder each time he heard their story, if his heart grew harder and harder, if it became harder and harder for him to believe because of what he had missed, remember, he wasn't there, and this probably stroked his disappointment. He was probably falling into self-pity, thinking, "Well, those guys got to see the Lord. How come I didn't get to see the Lord?" And that's what happens when we miss. But Thomas's unbelief was strong. He said, unless I see his hands and the print of the nails in his hands and put my fingers into those prints and unless I put my hand on his side, I will not believe. This is startling to us. Thomas's unbelief is startling. But in reality, he was only asking for what the other apostles or disciples had already received. Thomas wasn't asking for a divine revelation other than that. I mean, back in verse 20, they all saw the risen Lord. But Thomas just wants what they wanted. I think this is a good thing. I think this is a good thing. Thomas is just being Thomas. Thomas is just being who he is. Thomas is being real. And I like this about Thomas. He's being real. He's being true to form, if you will. When we studied chapter 14, when Jesus was telling them that they, he was going away, telling them that let not their hearts be troubled, that they should believe in God and him at the same time, He was telling them these things. It was Thomas that stood up and said, how do we know where you're going? We don't know where you're going. Thomas did that. And he gave the Lord an opportunity to say those unforgettable words. Those unforgettable words that still challenge people today. Those unforgettable words challenging people from the first century all the way to now. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And no man comes to the Father except through me. Powerful words. A challenge to all of us to believe. So I think Thomas just wanted to be one of the guys. He wanted everything that they had received. And again, I don't think this is such a bad idea. You know, sometimes we see somebody walking with the Lord. And we don't get jealous, but we get Sort of covetous, but we want what they have. And I don't think that's wrong. We see them seeking the Lord and it helps us to seek the Lord also. I mean, even Paul and John in their epistles say, follow us as we follow Christ. It's good to see somebody walking with the Lord. It's good to be encouraged by their walk. It's good to want what they want and want to have that relationship. It's extremely important for us. So a whole week goes by. And here the disciples are once again meeting, but this time Thomas isn't there. You know, I get the feeling Thomas isn't isn't going to miss out too many more meetings after what had happened to him. Look at 26a. And after eight days, his, Jesus' disciples were again inside, and Thomas was with them. Yeah, our boy Tom, he was there. Eight days had passed, and the disciples were once again meeting together. Interestingly, think about it, eight days. What day was this? It was the first day of the week. They were again meeting on the first day of the week. They already were establishing when the church meets together on a Sunday. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Eight days. We were meeting again. But I want to give Thomas some credit here for showing up. I really want to give him credit for showing up. He could have gotten all hot and bothered because he wasn't there. He could have gotten mad at the disciples because they kept on hounding him. Oh, look what we saw. You know, the disciples, I'm sure some of them were going, Hey, Thomas, we saw the Lord. You didn't. I'm sure some of them were. You can probably think out which ones were doing that. But they were probably giving him a hard time. Come on. You would give me a hard time if I missed something extremely important and I probably would give it back to you too. But... Bottom line here, the bottom line here, Thomas wanted proof. Thomas needed to see. He needed to see Jesus with his own eyes. He needed to see the nail prints and the side. He needed to see that to help his unbelief. Thomas gets the surprise of his life because in walks Jesus. Look at verse 26b. Jesus came, the doors being shut. And stood in the midst and said, peace to you. I love it. Peace to you. Once again, Jesus walks in and he greets the disciples with one word, shalom. One beautiful word, shalom, harmony, peace, completeness. Shalom, shalom to you, my brothers, shalom. Jesus continues to say peace to you because when Jesus arrives, he always brings peace. Because scripture tells us that Jesus is our peace. He is our very peace. He is our shalom. But I think Jesus came to that meeting that night for one reason. I think Jesus came to that meeting that night for one person. He came for Thomas. He came for Thomas. He wanted to take Thomas's belief or unbelief And transfer it and make it into belief. He knew Thomas was having a hard time. He knew that Thomas couldn't believe that he had risen. He knew Thomas was doubting. He knew that Thomas was saying, I can't believe. There are too many variables. I just can't believe it. Unbelief says, I will not believe unless I have evidence. Interesting here. If you're a language student, the Greek... Here is a double negative. I positively will not believe. I positively will not believe. You can't move me. It's as if Thomas was the only person in the room. It's as if no one else mattered at that time. And I don't think anyone else did to Jesus. Because Jesus comes in and Jesus does what he does best. I call it Jesus's specialty, one-on-one. The one-on-one. Jesus loves the one-on-one. He wants to be one-on-one with you. That's why it's a personal relationship. He wants to be one-on-you so he can dispense his love towards you, so he can show you great mercy and great gifts. He wants to be one-on-one with you so he can tell you how much he does love you. He looks directly at Thomas, and look what he says in verse 27. And then he said to Thomas, Reach your finger here and look at my hands, and stretch your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. Would have loved to have seen Thomas's face. I would have loved to have seen how big his eyes got when Jesus appeared in the room. I would have loved to have said that. Thomas was unbelieving. He was doubting. But there, several feet away, several feet away coming into the room, and by not using the door, we think, he just appeared, was Jesus. Standing several feet away was his master teacher, his rabbi, as he once called them. But standing right in front of him was the Savior of the world. And he was not only standing before him, Jesus was speaking to him. He was speaking to him. Thomas, did Thomas blink a couple times when he saw Jesus? Did he do the old rub his eyes like he couldn't believe what he was seeing? I probably would have did Thomas do the humana 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 I don't know if Thomas did any of that but the look on Thomas's face must have been extraordinary Thomas couldn't say a word but before he says a word Jesus talks to him reach your finger here look at my hands reach your hand here and put it in my side this was for Thomas this was directly for Thomas he had heard Thomas's words He knew what Thomas was speaking. He had heard his words, and he repeats the exact words that Thomas needed. He repeats them. Brothers and sisters, oh, how God loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he wants to minister to us in an individual way how he wants to come and show you great love, show you great mercy, how he wants to minister to you in such a personal way and speak to you individually. He knows your fears. He knows your disappointments. He knows what's going on in your life. He knows that you're discouraged, and he wants to comfort you and keep you on the straight and narrow. He wants to give you the faith and faith that lasts. He wants to show you all those things. He wants to reveal himself to you personally. I love this. Jesus comes to Thomas, and Jesus meets Thomas right in the middle of his unbelief. He meets him right where he is, in the middle of his doubt, in the middle of his skepticism, right in the middle of his discouragement, right in the middle of his disappointment, right in the middle of his fear. It's as if Jesus stooped down to Thomas and lifted Thomas up so that Thomas could be at the same level where Jesus was. Jesus came to him. Imagine yourself drowning in the sea of mire, drowning in the sea of discouragement, drowning in the sea of disappointment, drowning in the sea of fear, being fearful so much that you might even be shaken. God reaching his hand down to you, stretching out his hand to you. And all you have to do is reach up and grab that hand and he pulls you out of that muck and mire. He pulls you out of that darkness and he places you right in his marvelous light. He shows you his wonder and shows you his beauty and tells you how much he loves you. This is what's happening to Thomas today. This is what's happening to Thomas. Thomas was steeped in fear, steeped in disappointment and discouragement. Thomas was, was in unbelief, in strong unbelief. Jesus met him right where he was. Jesus pulled him out of that despair. It's a song we used to sing. He pulled me out of my despair and taught me how to walk pulled me out of the despair I was in. All I did was reach up and grab his hand. Jesus knows your fears too well. He knows what's happening with this virus. He knows that we're afraid. He knows that lives are being lost. He, he's not even happy with the death of the wicked. But he knows the end results. And he knows that he is still the answer because he's still on the throne. Is he still on the throne of your heart? Is he still ruling and reigning in your heart today, even in the midst of this craziness? He knows some of you are so fearful that you won't dare admit it because you don't want anybody to think you're unchristian. There's nothing unchristian about having fear. It's when we admit our fear to God that he can deal with it. So when we admit our fear to God that he can reach down, I read throughout the Psalms, David's constantly telling God of his fear, constantly telling God that he's afraid of these guys who want to kill him. And God constantly pours out his love upon David, constantly pours out his mercy upon David, and constantly brings David back to the thinking, oh God, you're so wonderful. You're so great and you're so gracious. Why should I fear? Of whom shall I fear? What can man do to me? This is what God does so wonderfully in our lives. He says to Thomas what he's saying to us today. Don't be unbelieving, but be believing. Don't let unbelief carry you down a path that you don't want to go. Don't let unbelief carry you into despair or hopelessness. Be believing. Way back in John 14, verse 1, Jesus said, "'Let not your hearts be troubled.'" You believe in God, believe also in me. The same exists right now. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe that he has a plan for you. Believe that he has a perfect plan for you. Those of you who love Jeremiah 29, 11, go and read it again. Because God does have that perfect plan for your life. You know what I love here? There's no rebuke by Jesus for Thomas's unbelief. Jesus is not rebuking Thomas for not believing in him. Jesus is not rebuking Thomas for wanting proof. Jesus is not rebuking him at all. The only thing I see here is restoration. The only thing I see here is faith building. Jesus is saying to Thomas, have faith, be encouraged. Don't be discouraged. Have faith. Jesus took a personal interest in Thomas, just like he takes a personal interest to each of us. Jesus wanted to strengthen Thomas' faith and include him in the blessings that lay in store for all his disciples. And he wants to encourage your faith today. Jesus wants to encourage your faith. He wants to build your faith up to a point where you can say, yes, I believe. And I won't be moved. I believe that Jesus is my Lord. I believe that Jesus is my God, and I will not be moved from those beliefs. He wants that for you today. And this is where the place where he brought Thomas to. Somehow, Thomas gets the will to speak. I think up until this point, Thomas was speechless. Thomas couldn't form words if he wanted to. He was speechless. But after Jesus said these things to him, look what Thomas does and says. And Thomas, answered in verse 28, And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. God. These are incredible words coming from someone who just a minute ago was a doubter. Someone who was just a minute ago was a skeptic in discouragement and fear and disappointment. All of a sudden, everything that Thomas heard Jesus say from then, he goes all the way back to when he first met Jesus. Everything he saw Jesus do, the healing of the sick, the making the blind see, the raising of the dead, all of a sudden it all made sense. But most of all, it might have been the fact that Jesus had been telling him that he would rise from the dead, and there he was right in front of him the risen Lord, Thomas's risen Lord, Thomas's risen God standing right in front of him. This prophecy. This fulfilled prophecy proved beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus truly was who he says he is, the Son of God, God incarnate. And Thomas realized it's true, and instantly his heart was quickened, the Spirit quickened his heart, and he believed, instantly. Thomas believed that seeing all this, there can only be one conclusion, that Jesus was Lord, and he was God. In one heartbeat, Thomas went from being a doubter, from being a skeptic, and became a true believer. I love that. Up until then, it's believed that he admired Jesus as a great role model. He admired him as a great teacher, even calling him a rabbi. But in that moment, Jesus was no longer just a prophet. He was no longer just a hero. He was no longer just a messenger. In that one instant, Thomas took everything he had learned, the knowledge that he obtained, and made a personal decision. He made a personal decision to him, and he calls Jesus my Lord and my God. Many people claim to know Jesus. Many people claim to know God. But do you know Jesus as God? Do you know Jesus as your God? It's extremely important. When Jesus becomes your God, a change takes place in your life. A major change takes place in your life, just like Thomas's. You become brand new, you become born again. Thomas has heard Jesus' word. He looked at Jesus and believed. And Jesus never argued with him. He never said, Don't call me God. Jesus accepted his worship. He accepted the worship. If he was not God, he would not have been able to accept his worship. Angels refuse to worship because they're not God. Worship is for God and God alone. Jesus accepted Thomas's worship. Then Jesus ends this section with another incredible statement. And a statement that is so encouraging for us today. A statement that we can put ourselves into this verse. Because Jesus is talking about you and me. He is talking about us, folks. 29 says, Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you believe. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Powerful words that mean so much to us. Powerful words that have been repeated through the centuries. Powerful words that have been repeated for over 2,000 years. Blessed are those that believe but have not seen. Blessed are those who believe and have not seen. Those who love him in spirit and truth. The words that Jesus spoke to Thomas continue to motivate us by faith today and not demand proof. Why? Because we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith and faith alone. Solae fide. Nothing but faith. Faith in Jesus Christ. And that faith is accounted to us as righteousness. Just like Abraham's faith was accounted to him as righteousness. The same faith that we have in Jesus Christ is accounted to us as faithfulness. Jesus says, blessed are those that have not seen and yet believe. The word blessed means, oh, how happy. Oh, how joyous. Oh, how comforting. Oh, how peaceful. Oh, how wonderful it is to believe and not seen. But one day, folks... One day, we will see him face to face. And all the questions will be answered. All the questions that we've ever had will be answered in an instant, just like were answered when Thomas saw Jesus face to face. All the questions will come to about. Everything will be clear. Everything will be cleared. Jesus is speaking to us today. He's speaking to everyone who has, by faith, believed in him for the forgiveness of sins and eternal life. Jesus is going to reward us for being realists. Men and women who have found reality, men and women who have found the spiritual truth and are members of God's kingdom, are God's children. For as many as received him, he's given them the power to become sons and daughters of God. Thomas related to God on the basis of his ability to reason. Don't dismiss this too harshly. There's a place for rational thinking. There's a place for emotionalism in our relationship to God. Jesus will meet you in both place. Now, we may be rational or we may be passionate, but the truth is God loves us no matter what type of person you are. So in these crazy times, folks, reach out to God. Reach out to him right now, wherever you are. Turn your sorrows and your headaches over to him and be like Thomas. Be honest with him. He knows. He knows what you're going through. Share your doubts. Share your struggles. For he will meet you right where you are. Turn your panic into prayer. Turn your worry into worship. And turn your fear into faith. Do that according to God's purpose. And that peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and guard your mind as we continue in Christ Jesus.
0: Sure. The book of John covers Jesus’s life and ministry here on earth, but the book begins long before Jesus was born in a manger. He existed with God the Father from the start. So many other religions have some figure they look to or commemorate, but none of those mere men accomplished what Jesus did. Jesus came as a man and died, but then he came back to life because he's God. No other man can claim that remarkable feat. Only God could do this, and therefore, the only true one to follow is Jesus. What might be holding you back today in believing all that God says he is and does? If you have some questions you'd like answered, we'd be happy to try and answer these questions or pray with you about what's weighing on your heart. Please don't hesitate to call us at 609-884-5821. Again, that number is 609 609- Keep looking to Scripture for answers and know that we care about the journey you're on We're so glad you tuned in to Assure Hope today You can hear more messages like this one from Pastor Dave at our website Just click on the Messages tab when you visit assurehoperadio.com We'd love to meet you too Find out how you can join us for worship at Calvary Chapel, Cape May by visiting assurehoperadio.com. You'll also find us on Facebook and YouTube. Links for both are at assurehoperadio.com. There's more to learn from the book of John next time, so be sure to join us again on another edition of A Sure Hope.